Hallelujah. Thank you, musicians, singers. Praise the Lord. How many glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> the last couple of weeks, we have been speaking on um, miracles. How many believe that we still serve a miracle working God? How many of you believe that the miracles were just for the apostles and disciples in the book of Acts over 2,000 years ago? How many of you believe uh, that your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is alive and well? And the Holy Spirit is alive and well, and our Father's alive and well, and miracles are still for today, Amen. Um, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about miracles. We talked about the miracle, the very first miracle that Jesus performed uh, at the wedding uh, at, at Canaan. It's turning the water into uh, uh, wine. Um, and then later last week, we talked about uh, the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus uh, from the dead. Doesn't matter what's dead in your life, Lazarus was dead for four days, and Jesus brought him back to life. Amen. This morning, we're going we're gonna to dive into a, a little story in Mark talking about miracles. And if you've got your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 35. And uh, we're going to talk um, about the great miracle where Jesus takes uh, two fish and five loaves of bread and feeds a multitude. And it's, it sounds as a beautiful little story for the kids. Uh, but for you and I, there's a lot of principles in that that I want you and I to glean from and then walk out of here today and apply them to our life and God can bless us. Amen. Mark chapter 5 and verse 35 and we'll probably read down through verse um, uh, 40. By this time it was late in the day so his disciples came to him. This is a remote, in a remote place and they said, it is already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countrysides, talking about the 5,000. You've got to remember, um, this was the 5,000 men, but they had wives and children. So some scholars believe that it was anywhere from 10, 11, 12,000 people. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. How many are you ready to eat? Well, you're going to have to wait for a while. But he answered, huh? Mark chapter 6 and verse 35. Okay. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6 and verse 35. Thank you, honey. But he answered, you, you give them something to eat. And they said to him that you would take more than a half of year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see, the Bible says. And when they found out, they said five and two fishes. Some translation says the young boy had uh, two fish and five loaves. And then Jesus directed them to have all the people set down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. 
And he also divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. Some of you look like you continually eat till you're satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish, and the number of the men who ate were around 5,000. Thank the Lord for the reading of his word. The miracle of the two fish in the five loaves of bread, how Jesus multiplied it. God wants to do a miracle in every one of our lives. None of us is an exception, but God wants to do a miracle in every one of our lives. The disciples go from watching Jesus perform a miracle into one of the greatest storms in their life, if you read the rest of the passage of that that scripture. When Jesus performs miracles, he loves to take it out of what you already have. I suggest this morning maybe you take notes because I'm going to try to give you a lot of information this morning out and a lot of principles out of this passage of Scripture that Jesus loves to work miracles out of what you already had. The woman with the issue of blood had a touch. The wedding at Canaan had the water pots. The blind man had a praise. The leopard had a cry. The man with the withered hand had a stretch. The woman at Canaan had faith in the disciple. Peter had a net, and the little boy had a lunch. What do you already have for your miracle? Pastor, I don't have anything for my miracle. The miracle that I need, I don't have anything that I can walk back and take. But do you have a praise in your mouth? Do you have a thanksgiving? Do you have a prayer of faith? Do you have an offering to the outcast? Do you have a voice to the oppressed? We all have something to give when we're facing a miracle that we need in our life. Number one, your miracle is not coming out of what you don't have. Your miracle is coming out of what you do have. The miracle of feeding the 5,000 came out of a little boy's five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus is asking you, what do you have in your hand? See, it doesn't matter what season you're going through in your life. If you will realize, whatever I have in my hand will multiply. If you will give God your worship in your sickness, if you will give God your thanksgiving in your hurt, if you will give God your offering in your lack, God will make a way where there is no way. God will turn every situation around that you need in your life and he will make a miracle for you if you will give him what you have in your hand. If you need something from God this morning, every one of us has got a voice to worship him. If you need something from God this morning, every one of us has got a voice to give him glory and to give him honor and give him thanksgiving and now's a good time to raise your hands and let's give him the glory and give him the honor and give him the praise. Have you realized that when you need a miracle in your life that God just takes his time. How many of you need a miracle in your life and God has just worked instantly? 
Normally, if you need a miracle in your life, God just takes his time. In verse 39 and verse 40, it says, Then Jesus directed them to have all the people set down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in the groups of hundreds and fifties. How long do you think it took to separate about a 10, 11, or 12,000 people on the side of the hill into fifties and into hundreds before Jesus worked the miracle? Sometimes it takes time for God to work the miracle in your life. How many of you like me, you got some impatient in you? A couple of you. Now the rest of you tell me the truth. How, how some of you are like me, that you are just impatient. I mean, you're just impatient. Tell your wife, she wants you to do something. I'll get it when I get to it. I'll never forget my, my dad. My mom wanted to, to enlarge the living room. We had, a, we had a wall in between the living room and kitchen. And I'll never forget my mom when I was just a young man. She said, Melvin, I want to I enlarge this. I want to take, take out this wall and, and make it bigger. Dad always had an excuse. He had to work. He had to hunt. He had to go fishing. He had to do something. He didn't have time to be patient with mom with the wall that needed to be taken out. So one day I remember my dad came in and he come in with a, he's come in with a skill saw. And I could tell he was a little upset and he said to mom, he said, where do you want that hole at now? <laughs> Sometimes we just get impatient, don't we? But we serve a God that is a patient God. And we got to realize sometimes the best miracles take time. That took them a while to divide them up to 50s and 100. But when God is doing something in your life, sometimes church, when he's doing something great, he takes his time. How many would like to feel like that God is, is going to work your miracle instantly? But every time I look at the stories in the Bible, I realize that God gets in no hurry to work the miracle out in their life. Jesus waited four days and passed before he showed up to the request of Mary and Martha at the sickness of Lazarus. But just because he didn't answer their prayer at the very first cry did not mean he did not hear their cry. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 36 says, Patience and endurance is what you need now so that you will continually do God's will. Then you will receive all that God has and has promised for you. We got to realize sometimes the best miracles take time. When we look at the story, we see that sometimes God is trying to place order and structure in our life. It took time. It took some time to separate them 50 and into 100. What speaks out of the passage of Scripture to you and I says that God is a God of order and God is a God of structure. God is a God of order and God is a God of structure. God is not a God of chaos. 
If, if it's chaos in your life at this moment, that's not God. Because God is not a God of chaos. Sometimes God is trying to place order and structure in your life. How many could use some order and this kind of structure in your life? And sometimes God has to slow you down. Sometimes it's through a storm because he cannot get your attention any other way. Jesus told his disciples to divide them up in 50 and 100s. Could it be your blessing is coming out of order and structure that God wants to place in your life? Some of you are everywhere with your walk with Christ. Some at church one Sunday and you're gone six. Some you read your Bible two days and you skip five days. Some pray when there's crises in your life and then when God answers, you don't pray anymore to God until there's another crisis in your life. Some of you serve when it's only convenient. Some of you pay your tithes if you have a good week at work and a good paycheck. If not, God doesn't seize money, which means you are all over your place with your walk with God, and God is not a God of disorder and destruction. Sometimes God has to let you go through a storm in your life to place you under order and structure in your life. Just because God can give you more does not mean he's going to give you more. God gives you more when you show him you can manage more. God gives you more when you have structure and order in your life. He gives you more when he realizes that you can manage more. A Christian whose life is all over the place, God cannot bless. Let me say that loud and clear. A Christian's life that is all over the place, God cannot drop down his blessings on you. You cannot be sleeping with your girlfriend on Saturday night and expect God to bless you on Sunday morning. You cannot lie about how much you made on your taxes and want God to pour out his blessing on you. You cannot go to the club and dance around like you done lost your mind and come to, work, come to church on Sunday morning and get up and worship like you done got any sense. But the Saturday night you was on the dance floor acting like a fool because God is saying, I'm a God of structure. I'm a God of order. I'm a God of holiness. I'm a God of righteousness. And if you want my blessings, get structure and order in your life. I know that sounds like a little old timey there, but God wants us to clean up our life and he wants us to have order and he wants to have structure in our life because he wants to bless our life. Amen? Realize that God is a God that takes what is not enough and multiplies it. God takes what is not enough and he multiplies it. The 10 doctor's appointments is not enough to heal you. The $100 more a month on your paycheck may be not enough to pay your bills. Fret and worry that you're doing may be not enough to bring your problems to an end. Your wealth may not be enough to bring you happiness. The power you have as a businessman won't be enough to keep your marriage together. But the five loaves, the two fish, were not enough to feed the multitude. But when it gets in the hands of Jesus Christ, the master, he turns what is not enough into what is more than enough. The first thing Jesus does 
in this miracle is look up to heaven and he blesses the five loaves and the two fish. We got a God that wants to bless us. We got a God that wants to pour out his blessings. We, want to get, we got a God that don't want us just to get by. I don't serve a God that just wants me to get by. The very first thing Jesus does is bless the bread and the fish. Verse 41 says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up towards heaven and he blessed it. Which means that Jesus takes the not enough and he gives thanks for it. And when he did, then God took what was not enough and turned it into what was more than enough. Which teaches us we need to still be grateful when we don't have enough. The two fish and the five loaves were not enough. But Jesus looks up to heaven and he holds it up and he asks the Father to bless what is not enough. And when you're thankful for what is not enough, then God can give you more than enough. God is not going to multiply it if you are ungrateful. God does not multiply what you are ungrateful for. I like a term, I believe Jensen Franklin uses it. We don't serve a God that's El Cheapo. He's not a cheap God. He wants to bless us. But he wants us to be grateful for what he's gave us. We always remember that when God puts it in, when Jesus puts it in his hands, little is much when God's in it. Little is much. If you've got a little prayer... It's much when God's in it. I don't know if God is hearing my prayer, but if, you, if you've got a little prayer that can come off of your lips and you're sincere about it, a little is much when God is in it. I, I might not understand it or be able to figure it out, but I realize that when I just have a little if I'll put it in the hands of the master, he can take my little and he can turn it into more than enough. Jesus takes the five loaves and two fish and what does he do? What is this principle here? What's he do? He, he breaks it. Before it becomes multiplied, he breaks it. There is a blessing in the breaking. We don't like to be broke by the master's hands. But there is a blessing in the, in the breaking. Could it be that the blessing is in the breaking? The one that refuses to be broken is the one that will not enjoy the blessing. The most blessed Christian will be the broken Christian. The one most blessed Christian will be the Christian that allows God to take them 
to the potter's wheel. The most blessed Christian will be the ones that have went through some trials and went through some temptations and went through some troubles and went through some things in their life and they endured to the end because why? They were broken. Let me say it like this again. The most blessed people in life will be the people who are broken. It's when life breaks you, it's then when God can turn around and bless you. The blessing is hid in the brokenness. Always remember that when God breaks you, it's because he wants to bless you. It's because the breaking is what brings the blessing. I don't understand why I went through that cancer situation or that, that heart attack or that whatever you may be going through. But remember, whatever you're going through, as God breaks you, prepare yourself for the blessing. Because God, ble- God blesses what he breaks. Come on, that, that, a lot of you have been broken. I believe you, I thought you'd be shouting there. I, I thought you'd be hollering there. A lot of you have been broken. A lot of you went through some things. You've been struggling through some things in your life. So if you've been broken, you've been set up for a blessing. Remember, God is setting you up for a great blessing in your life. Every time that person made fun of you, every time you were cursed, every time they said that you wouldn't amount to nothing, every time they said you were a failure, every time they doubted your ability, which makes broken hearts, broken homes, broken families, broken dreams, the greatest blessings come out of a harvest of being broken. Pastor, I thought I was just going to, as a Christian, I'll never forget Kevin Watts. They've just been to church here a couple times. And I I made this statement at at, at that Sunday morning. I said, um, I I had an altar call and I I made this statement. I said, if you want to become a born-again Christian this morning, just raise your hand and come to the altar. We have prayer for you and ask Jesus Christ into your life. And I made this statement. I made that statement, just because you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't, doesn't mean that God is going to take you straight to success and everything's going to be all right and you're never going to have any troubles in your life just because you become a born-again Christian. And I'll never forget what he told me. I've known him for ever since I've been a kid. This is what he said to me. He said, I wish that a lot more preachers would get up and tell people that when they give their life to Christ doesn't mean it's going to be a smooth road. Why? Because God wants to bless you, but he's got to break you. Now, none of us like that, do we? How many of you here, if if I would say this morning, you know what? Uh, there's, God's got some trials set up over here, and um, I can pretty much tell you every one they are because God opened my eyes and showed them to me. How many of you want to sign up for them? How many of you would sign up for trials and troubles and tribulations in your life? None of us sign up for that stuff. I don't want any more of them. I will get them, but I don't want them. But I've realized if God is going to use you 
And if he's going to use me to a greater anointing, he's going to have to break us first. Jesus fed the multitude through the breaking process. See, God cannot use you to bless others until you go through a breaking process. The men and women of God that have blessed my life were the ones that went through some sickness. They went through some hardship. They went through some difficulty. And they went through some trials. And they were, pre they were the preachers that blessed me because they had been through something. Life had put them in the ringer. And when they come out, they built my faith to let me know if God is for me, if God be for me, who can be against me? Starting three years ago, God said, Kevin, I've got to break you. Before I can anoint you to a different level, I've got to break you. Before I take you to a, another height in the spirit, I've got to break you. Before I can use you to lay hands on the sick like I want to, I've got to break you, Brother Jerry. Before you can lay hands on the sick and, and God use you and you want to see him recover, Kevin, I gotta, I gotta break you. I have to break you, Kevin, before I can bless you to the next level. Jesus fed the multitude through a breaking process. Every time he would break the bread, he would bless the bread. Every time he would break a piece of fish off, he would bless the piece of fish. There will not be no spiritual blessing until there is a spiritual breaking in your life. Another principle I've seen out of this story was Jesus did not feed the multitude directly. He breaks it and he gives it to his disciples to feed to them. And he said, you go feed them, Jesus says. The great principle is this is, remember this, that the blessing passes through your hands, not from your hands. Remember, any blessing you have comes from the hands of Jesus. Your job, your career, your family, your church, your bank account, your health, your abilities, your dream, your success, your joy comes from the master's hands. And please never forget that. Another thing I love about this story is that Jesus chose by choice to give them overflow. Look at your neighbor and say, overflow. Look at your neighbor and say, I want some overflow in my life. Well, verse 42 and 43 says, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. Jesus knew how much it would take to feed the very last, every last one of them. And on purpose, he chose to give them more than enough. Jesus chose on purpose to give them overflow. So many Christians think that we serve a God that just wants us to get by and just have enough. But in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 26, it says, 
I will make them the places surrounding my heels a blessing and I will send down showers of blessings and there will be showers of blessings on them. David wrote in Psalms chapter 23 you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows my God is in the overflowing business. He gives you more than enough. Listen to the blessings that God has in Luke chapter three and Luke chapter six and verse thirty-eight. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God's blessings is more than your capacity to obtain it. God's blessings is more than your capacity to obtain it. I say, let our children, our children's children's children be blessed by God. Come on, I say, let our children's children's children be blessed with more than enough by God. Verse 43 tells us that the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, most of us might not not like a lot of leftovers. But how many of you like the leftovers that come after Thanksgiving? And how many of you like the leftovers that come after Christmas? You bunch of glutton Christians. Jesus blessed it so much that they had 12 baskets of leftovers. Listen to this great principle. God never intends for you to go through the breaking or a trial without coming out on the overside with more than enough and more leftover. Somebody needed to hear that. Listen to this principle. God never intends for you to go through a breaking or through a trial without coming out on the other side with more than enough, with great leftovers. Let me say it like this. God never intended you to go through a broken place without coming out with overflow in your life. So if you are going through a trial right now, you're going through a situation you don't understand right now, and you can't figure it out, Just remember that God is on your side and when you come out of that, you are going to have more than enough. The story takes a transition point. How many of you have been going through life and God, there's a transition point in your life? And that transition point is... Everything's going good in my life, and I've got more than enough, and my, my, my children feel well. i got enough money in the bank. My, my body's healed. i got a good job. i got a good bank account, and everything's going good in my life. But all of a sudden, there's a transition. All of a sudden, something happens in our life. So the disciples, they're helping Jesus feed these thousands of people. But right in the middle of this story, it takes a transition point as you study it. And it says that Jesus tells his disciples to go get in a boat. It really says in the NIV, after they fed the thousands, 
Jesus says he makes his disciples get in a boat and go to the other side. Lean in, because I'm, I'm getting ready to close, but lean into this. You don't want to miss these last few principles. Jesus was setting them up to go directly into the storm. Jesus was setting them up to go in the path of the storm. Jesus, Jesus was giving them divine direction to go into the storm. Jesus was setting them up to encounter the storm. Jesus tells them, go get disciples in the boat. He tells them, knowing when he tells them that they are going to encounter a storm in their life. When we get into a storm, the enemy likes to tell us it's all because of our past. It's because of something I've done or have not done or it's some sin in my life. But remember, if you are facing a storm today, that your God has divinely set the storm up in your path. Meaning, it's, he's not mad at you, but he's working something through you so he can bless you. Out of the five to six to seven thousand people that are on shore, they are licking their lips. They're enjoying the fish and chips. They're enjoying the great miracle that Jesus has just performed. At the same time, Jesus is sending his 12 disciples right into a storm. The other five or six or seven thousand people, they're, they're on the shore. They're, they're rubbing their belly. They just, they just enjoy Chick-fil-A. They just enjoyed uh, fish and chips. They just enjoyed that, that big old meal that Jesus has just provided for every one of them. And Jesus picks out his 12 disciples and said, you guys go get in a boat and go to the other side. It's like he gave them orders. It was like, we are done here feeding the thousands. Jesus says, I'm done working the miracle here of feeding the thousands, disciples. Now, you 12, get yourselves together, and there's a boat over there. You go get in it and go to the other side. Knowing that they were going to encounter a storm along the way. Is there times that people are getting blessed all around you? Big money coming in, great jobs, health is great, family great, the church running three service great, seems like they're walking great overflow. At the same time, it looks like that, 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 the, that the world for you is falling apart from one day to the next, from one moment to the next, sickness, short of money, falling, family falling apart, your job going down the tube, life seems like it's a disaster. It's like you will never see the sun shine again. Everyone else is getting their miracle around you. Just like the thousands on the side of the seashore that had just received again their fish and chips. And then Jesus decides to send his chosen 12 right into a storm. But Jesus wanted to teach his disciples a 
lesson that only they could experience. If they went through this storm that he had divinely appointed, if you're going through a storm or you're coming out of the storm or you're entering a storm, I want to stand tall and tell you that God is going to take you to the next level. You're going to experience increase. God's got a blessing on the other side for you. Hold your head up, your shoulders back. Your miracle is on the way. Jesus is telling and reminding him his disciples that they are in encountering, in encountering a storm. What is so unique about this scripture is that as they are encountering, encountering the storm, lean, lean in because I'm, I'm going to close. As they are encountering this storm, It's very plain that these disciples give fear. It's very, it's very plain that when the storm comes up that God had told them to go into, that they are encountering fear. Right? You agree with me? Could it have been that one of the 12 baskets of food the disciples grabbed a hold of and sat on the boat with them? Good thought. Could it have been that they're wanting to encounter a miracle from God in the midst of their storm and they allow fear to enter their life in that storm? And they've just got done smelling the fish and chips that could be riding on the boat with them. Jesus did not get upset at his disciples because they had little fear in their life because they encountered the storm. But if you read closely in verse 52, he says... For they still did not understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. And their hearts were too hardened to take it in. Jesus was not upset that they were not, had great faith to walk on water. Jesus was a little upset that they had just encountered a miracle from him and forgot it so quick. Meaning, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their hearts was hardened. They remember not of what God had just did for the 5,000, 10,000. Remember the 10 lepers? 10 were healed, and now one only come back to give thanks. Could it be you are murmuring and complaining about the miracle that you need now instead of thanking God for the last miracle he performed in your life? It could be what is holding you back from receiving your miracle you need now. Let's remember where he has brought us from. Let's remember to praise him in the storm. Let's worship him in the storm. Let's give him glory in the storm. Let's thank him for the last healing. Let's thank him for the last miracle. Let's thank him for the last financial 
Let's thank him for the last time he brought our marriage together. Let's thank him for the last time he healed our children. Let's thank him for the last time he did that for us. Let's give him the last time he healed my mother. The last time he healed my dad. The last time he healed me. The last time he touched me. Let's be thankful for what he did last. Could it be if I'm thankful and worship him for what he did last, he will perform the miracle that I need now. Let's give the Lord a hand as we stand this morning. Come on, church. Let's give the Lord a hand. Let's thank him for what he's done last in our life. Come on, let's raise our hands up. Father, come on, let's, let's worship him. Come on, band. Praise God. Let's worship him. Father, we thank you this morning. We just worship you this morning. Something fast, baby. Something fast. Let's worship him this morning. Let's worship him. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for a last miracle. Come on. Let's thank him. Let's focus on this last miracle you worked in my life, God. I went to the doctor Friday, and the doctor said, you look good, Kevin. God, I'm going to thank you for that. I'm going to thank you for that. God, I'm going to thank you for that. You took me through this. You took me through that. What I'm facing, you're going to take me through what I'm facing in my life right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing that before we close in prayer. Amen. Let's thank you. Let's just thank you for your last miracles.
Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep just a little music going in the back. Um, if you need a miracle this morning, I want to ensure you this word is packed full of miracles. And I want you to raise your hand and we're gonna we're gonna just close in prayer. Take someone by the hand. And we're just gonna close like this. Father, Lord, there's I just got a feeling there's many that, that need a miracle in their life. Whether it's a miracle of healing, whether it's um miracle in their marriage, whether it's a miracle with their children, whether it's a, a, a miracle financially, God, you know what that miracle is. And so Father, as a, I ask you right now that you will just reach down. God, as they worship you and thank you for the last thing they, that you had done for them, we're just believing God by faith that you're going to you're going to reach down by faith and you're going to touch them and you're going to give them the miracle they need. And Father, we thank you. And you'll get the glory and you'll get the honor and you'll get the praise. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I just want to tell you that a year ago, August the 2nd, I had surgery for breast cancer. And I am a walking miracle. Because the last week, this past week, I am back to me. So it has been a year, and I praise God for getting me through what He got me through. He put me there, He got me through it, and I'm stronger, and I thank God for everything He's done for me. Thank you. Amen. Cancer free. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Cancer free. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Y'all lead us out of here, amen.